This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off the my lighting up. Oi! From my friends. The star of the show. Oi! Oi! Radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Boy, this boy. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. 77 WABC. Seventy-three. I think it's before you were birthed, Andrew. Yeah, Giuliani. I think I was even the magic. Southern rock at its best. Leonard Skinner, Freebird. That's the time of the Allman Brothers. And every time they do a concert, the Johnny Reb flags, the Confederate flags would be waved high in the sky. Imagine Atlantic Fulton County Stadium, home of the Atlanta Braves. 80,000 all-white concert goers from the deep south waving their confederate flags as Leonard Skinner was into this guitar riff maybe the best of all time because everybody on the stage is riffing in and it goes on and on and on southern rock at its best their album covers had the confederate flag you cut their veins and arteries they bleed the confederacy unfortunately a uh, plane that some were on that crashed when it ran out of uh when did it crash like the mid 70s or something like that uh not not too far after yeah 75, uh, and they continued they continued like to tour and this always became their classic uh riff that everybody wanted to hear and it would go on and on and on and i mean people were just like totally ensconced into it and even other musicians even though let's say like a Jimi hendrix black guy right and would see the Confederate flags, would know what Leonard Skinner stood for in the Deep South, would marvel and say, oh, man, these Southern boys are good. They know how to pick that guitar real good. And they go on and on and on. Nowadays, I don't think you could uh, get away with doing that any longer. Well, you got to enlighten the young, the young guy over here because I've heard about this plane crash, and it was 1977. But they continued to tour on, like you said, after the plane crash. But didn't the whole band die? What? What? No. How did they get? Like happened? all, like all bands, you know. Obviously, uh, the key elements of the band right. were no longer there. But you have replacements okay. as you've had with other bands. But it was never the same. Just never the same. Mm-hmm. But it was at the height of what I will call southern rock. Uh, the Allman Brothers, uh, one of their guys, Dwayne Allman, I think, died twenty-seven motorcycle accident. Some people thought that this was Leonard Skinner's uh, appreciation to Dwayne and the loss that they suffered, the Allman Brothers, because that was another great band. Uh, And I mean, they toured the North. Nobody looked at the Confederate flag and said, oh, I'm I'm walking out of here. I want my money back because the music was so good. 
it was so good. Now, because they have the Confederate flag festooned everywhere, they had it on the concert stage, they had it on their album covers, they wore Confederate patches. You know, it was all part of their look. I don't think they could do that any longer. I don't think there's a venue uh, other than maybe a, a dive or a gin mill that would permit them to openly have a concert the way they did then. Yeah. I mean, festooned with Confederate flags everywhere. Festooned. Yeah. I Well, it's almost a little bit like the Michael Jackson thing where people, they kind of overlook all the allegations yes, of pedophilia. Very much so. Just because they're so talented and they're so right. good. So even right? now, is that what it is? Even now, a schmuck of putts like uh, Diego would play Michael Jackson mm-hmm. while I'm on the air knowing that he's a pedophile on a pedestal. Yeah, but you're right. It's, not, not it's a very, very good analogy. Every time that Freebird comes on, that great guitar riff, and you see that like five guys on the stage riffing together, everybody just stops. And they can remember, like, where they were when they first heard that song. It's so good. So good. But it plays right into Nikki Haley. She's now prime time. It's pretty much down to her and Trump. I mean, look, DeSantis still has a shot in the Iowa caucuses, but his star has faded. I think everybody realizes uh, if he doesn't do well in Iowa, he's out. He's not going to do well in New Hampshire after that. And he's certainly not going to do well in South Carolina because... Nikki Haley is from South Carolina, and Trump is king in South Carolina. So it'll probably be down to those two. So this is the reason that these initial uh, tests of a candidate are important, like in Iowa and in New Hampshire, where it's like town hall meetings, where you're up close and personal. Sometimes it's only 100 people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's even less than that. I, I remember when I was in Iowa organizing Guardian Angels in Davenport, this is when Barack Obama came out of nowhere to win the Democratic primary. He won the Iowa caucuses. He was down the road. He had 8,000 in a high school gymnasium. 8,000. Uh, Joe Biden, who was running, had seven people in a Kiwanis Club meeting. I had 70 people at the local public library discussing the Guardian Angels and the high crime in Davenport. But it just shows you you got to. that, that you, you can't eliminate these early uh, primaries. Because it really tests the candidates. They're there. Sometimes it's a small group. Sometimes a large group. But now the full attention is on uh, uh, Haley. And, boy, she had an opportunity to hit it out of the box. Question comes from the crowd about the Civil War. You figure the, the woman who was the governor of South Carolina, was born and raised there, knew the history of the South and the North. Would like This is like, hey, man, this is my grand slam. What was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. Government doesn't need to tell you how to live your life. They don't need to tell you what you can and can't do. They don't need to be a part of your life. They need to make sure that you have freedom. We need to have capitalism. We need to have economic freedom. Thank you. And in, in the year 2023, it's astonishing to me that you answer that question without mentioning the word slavery. What do you want me to say about slavery? It was about slavery. Uh, you answered my question. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what happens? What's it called when your freedoms are taken away against your rights? You are becoming enslaved. It's about slavery. We all know about that. And look, you can talk about the economic systems and ultimately uh, the, the South and the North and how they were different and how the South relied on, guess what? 
slaves no, no. were the producer of economics a, of, and how a, government would run because of slavery. Andrew, do me a favor. Yes. Repeat what you said initially about uh, – you said slavery, right? You yeah. gave a definition of – what was it again? When people's freedoms are taken away. That's marriage. Against their will. <laughs> That's marriage. See, you haven't – No, reached, I did it with my will. I, I, you I'm haven't, very, very lucky. You haven't done seven years I would say, if anything, my, my wife – we're six and a half. We're getting there. When but, you were saying that, I was saying, that, that's marriage. Okay. Are we going back to the ballet over here after all this? I thought we did two days on but the ballet. And- think of this. She then, instead of recognizing, wow, mistake. Right. This happens on the campaign trail. Uh, in a few days, nobody will remember it. She blames it on a Democratic operative in the crowd. Now, first off, the New Hampshire primary is different than a lot of primaries. You can cross over and vote. So you can be a Democrat, you can cross over and vote Republican. That's the way it's always been. Maybe it's changed now because of the way the uh, primaries line up. But a Democratic operative, what are you talking about, lady? This is a a simple question. And, Curtis, if this was an operative, whether it be a Democratic operative or even an operative working for DeSantis or even Trump or Vivek or whoever it might be, guess what? This person probably got paid a fraction, probably got paid their full ultimately amount if that actually was. But you've got to think, this reminds me a couple of weeks ago of the presidents of Harvard and MIT basically falling flat on their face by the questioning of Elise Stefanik because they couldn't even get the very first question right. Is this against the ethics of this? What was the Civil War about? I'm sure that ultimately they thought, okay, there's going to be now a follow-up question. No follow-up question was even necessary because she couldn't get the easy answer on this. And Curtis, this is why I've been saying time and time again, I saw it behind the scenes in the Trump administration, Nikki Haley would be a massive problem for the country if she becomes right. the Republican well, that, that nominee. Was day, that was night one. Yeah. Uh, she said it. She then said, as you heard, well, what do you want me to say about slavery? She then blamed it on a Democratic operative. She had like 12 hours to get it together with her staff, with her husband, whomever she re- re- relies on as a uh, consigliere. And so she came back quick. She didn't let it linger out there. And this is what she had to say on the rebound. Of course the Civil War was about slavery. We know that. That's unquestioned, always the case. We know the Civil War was about slavery. But it was also more than that. It was about the freedoms of every individual. It was about the role of government. By the grace of God... We did the right thing, and slavery is no more. But the lessons of what that bigger issue with the Civil War are is that let's not forget what came out of that, which is government's role, individual liberties, freedom for every single person, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to do and be anything you want to be without anyone or government getting in your way. Yeah, because the role of government, certainly, when you look at the South and the Southern states, was that they were enslaving people. So, of course, it had to do with the role of government. But this is just a word salad answer. And, Curtis, I think that just just shows you that she's not operating on the level that Trump is operating or even DeSantis is operating on from an intelligence perspective. Well, I know that the, I know that they ended up and, and Christie went after Vivek a couple weeks ago because he questioned her intelligence. But I think everybody is actually seeing right now exactly what this is. She gets the soundbite sometimes. But she couldn't even get the soundbite right 
the well, other day. I and think, this was just a jumbled I word salad to try to cover up for the mistake was, that she made This yesterday. was just uh, over-intellectualizing when we come back. But it wasn't even intellectualizing, Curtis. I well, mean, she was just kind of dancing around well, the there's a reason. slavery. There's a reason. Because uh, for her, she must do well in South Carolina, if not win South Carolina, because before you go into Super Tuesday and where everything is determined on television, there's none, no more of these town hall meetings. She's got to try to appease the South Carolina voter. We'll discuss that up next. I didn't hear much of a difference in that statement than the original statement, but imagine. Ha, it all gets back to Charlottesville for Trump. Uh, Haley, it has to do with slavery. For somebody else, should the Confederate flag uh, fly yesterday, the court ruled that the Confederate memorial in Arlington National Cemetery must be removed. Instead of us talking about the issues that are affecting us in the world today. If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Felix Papagliardi, Corky Lang. This is really the first heavy metal band, believe it or not. I know, Diego, you weren't even burst. But debuted at Woodstock, 1969. This is really what you would call heavy metal at that time. And then, obviously, it progressed from there. But he was from Forest Hills. He wasn't from the South. Some Jewish name he had. Was he uh, really? Leslie West, Weinstein, or something like that. Come on, man. You can do better than that. You see, he thinks, oh, Mississippi, Mississippi, River. okay, they must have been from the South, right? Right, Felix Papagliotti, wrong, Corky Lang, wrong. He's singing about it. Leslie West, wrong. But anyway, you heard O'Reilly's riff, it was spot on. Based on when we came on the airways this morning, yep. six, you went north, I went south. Had nothing to do with the Civil War. <laughs> on the number six train. 
Describe what you saw when you emerged at 51st and Lexington to walk over to the studios of WABC. Yeah, I got, got off the train on 51st Street. I go by on the left the precinct, and I go by the firehouse there. And as I make the right on the 3rd Avenue on 51st Street in the Republic Bank, I see two guys in there huddled up. And one guy looks like, I mean, you know, he could be, he looks completely passed out. And, you know, it's tough to really tell from my perspective, but it's something that you see almost every single day, it feels like. So it didn't make an impression on me, but it made a real impression on you because of what you saw actually coming south on the 6th train at the 51st Street stop at Lexington. Yeah, we didn't see one another. We came almost at the same time, but you had already just left the station. I had just arrived. So I see one guy who was bent over on the bench, and I could tell right away this guy has OD'd. You know, I checked his neck real quick. He had a pulse. Okay, so I'm going to go topside to try to get some help because the fire department is down the block. The 17th precinct is right there on our way to WABC. Before I could even do that, as soon as I get topside, uh, 51st and legs, two African-American guys are completely passed out. It's raining. It's drizzling. And an EMT crew has already gotten there, two EMT crews, and they're working desperately to revive these guys uh, and they're talking amongst one another. One of them talks to me, fentanyl overdose, fentanyl. Hey, Narcon, get the Narcon. They're cutting open the guy's uh, clothes at top so he can breathe. They're giving him uh, oxygen. They're preparing to transport them, probably to Lenox Hill. I, I really don't remember seeing the ambulance, what hospital it was affiliated to. And so I take a few pictures, and one of the younger EMT guys is saying, oh, yeah, you know, some people take pictures. They like to watch people dying in the streets. So an older EMT guy will recognize me right away because, naturally, I'm always in my red beret, my guardian angel jacket. He goes to the young guy. He goes, look, before you even knew what being an EMT was, this guy has dealt with this hundreds of times. He's a friend. He's not exploiting this. Yeah. And, and, Curtis, before, just to defend you, because it's always easier to defend somebody than have to defend yourself on all this stuff, what you're doing is you are actually going to get this stuff out so people can see it. As they say, a picture is worth a thousand yeah. words, and trust me, we'll say our thousands and thousands of words here today, but it's so important for New Yorkers to continually see just how our quality of life is being undercut here in New York City. So those pictures that you take, that you share on your social media, I think it's at Curtis Sliwa, right? There's something yeah, at Sliwa Facebook, Curtis. Facebook, Instagram. Right. So important for people to, see, to actually see that, whether they are New Yorkers, whether they voted for you, whether they voted for Adams, whether they're from other parts of the world or the, or the country, and also, to see actually what's devolving in New York City. And also to see the great response of the EMT. These are men. Uh, you know, they deal with this all the time. There are women EMTs. This just happened to be all males. Mm-hmm. They knew immediately what to do because there are ODs all over the place. It's just you would never have seen this on 51st and Lexington years ago. Never. Uh, you would never, the reason they come to a subway station like 51st and Lex, it's a safer subway station than, let's say, if they were 125th or 116th or 110th in Lex. Uh, and the reason that they would go into the vestibule of the bank, Republic Bank, is because they could sit down and shoot up and nod off and then wake up a few hours later, except this must have been a bad batch of fentanyl. It had to have been because these guys... Well, like going, going, gone, if not for the EMTs. Look, I could not have revived them. I don't have Narcon on me. Yeah, but Curtis, think about this. I mean, you're talking about literally down the block 
from the 17th precinct, yep. precinct, from a police department, and that's where they're doing it. How brazen can we actually get here in New York? They're not saying, hey, wait a second, there could be cops that are right here. We're not going to ultimately do this. They're saying, ah, we don't care. We don't care because guess what? The laws protect the criminals at this point. And, they protect and they're us, shooting not, up. And yeah. remember, they're shooting up, so it requires having to get the needles out, the belt, the works. It's not like taking a pill, an opioid pill, and then all of a sudden – a few minutes later, you're keeling over, which sometimes happens. You'd have no idea. I, I just saw the guy having a conversation, and then like a half hour later, he's passed out, nodded out from opioids. So I just felt it was important that we talk about that based on the riff that O'Reilly was doing. 25 million people addicted to some kind of a drug it's substance. Wild. 25 million. We're hearing close to 100,000 fentanyl overdoses alone this year, and that number's just going up as we continue to see more and more people surge across the border over here, then guess what? They're bringing in fentanyl. We see all the different potential terrorists that have been ultimately captured by CBP coming across. We don't know how many people have actually gotten in. We don't know how many people on the terrorist watch list are now in New York City or now in Chicago or now in Denver or now in Texas alone. If if we circle back and we've asked Noam uh, Layden, our news director, to contact the police, DCPI, to see what became of these four guys who clearly were on their way out of this plane, is that once they recover, and they probably will recover, they have this drug problem with fentanyl. They will then go around in this area and shoplift in order to feed their habit, in order to get the money to get more fentanyl. Fentanyl is very cheap now. It is extraordinarily cheap because it's so plentiful. It's like supply and demand. Jason, you think of how powerful the damn thing is, too, and for it to be that available and that cheap. And to be honest, Andrew, a lot of the addicts will request it because they want a bigger and bigger high every time. Yeah. Curtis, that was one of the things that when I was at the White House – really shocked me at first, and then it actually made a lot of sense, was how if somebody ended up overdosing from a dealer, and it took me a while for this to process, but when it did, that dealer actually would get an increased amount of business. And he would think, well, wait a second. If somebody's going to overdose, they almost died. Why would people want to go there? It's because when you're trying to get a high, you want to get the best high. And if you know if this batch caused an overdose, it must give you a really, really good high. And they're willing to ultimately deal with potential death to try to get the chase that high. And remember, these are not – all of them were men, uh, the four who appeared to have overdosed. Uh, You don't – they don't appear to be men of wealth, like they were living off a blind trust of daddy or mommy. They're living in the streets, and they're stealing in order to feed their habits, stealing to feed their habit. That means they're breaking in the cars, whatever way they could scam or get over. They're they're shoplifting, they're boosting, they're picking pockets, they're jostling, because they got to feed the beast. And that's why you see this incredible amount of shoplifting everywhere. Some do it because they can and get away with it, and there are no ramifications. Others, because they're feeding their drug habit, and the city has no plan for it, the state has no plan for it. Alvin Bragg is the worst uh, DA when it comes to it. And it's not even like they refer you to drug rehab. Okay, we're not going to sentence you, but you got to go to mandatory drug rehabilitation. They don't even do that. They just cut you loose to do it again and again. No no corrective behavior whatsoever. They They give you a clean needle. Jesus. They give you a clean needle, clean crack pipe, clean works, and they say, hey, you know, we have injection centers now. You can go up there to 125th and Park. You could go to Washington Heights. 
Nurse Ratchet will shoot you up <laughs> to make sure the two veins that you have left in your neck we are one can be injectable. Who's nest in New York? I'll tell you that. This is nuts. When we come back, we got to get back to Nikki Haley in South Carolina and why she got herself into the mess that she did. We're just days away from the Iowa caucuses, the New Hampshire primary, and then it's back to the Gamecock State, South Carolina. Here, live and local, it's Andrew Giuliani, yours truly, Curtis Lewa. It's not best of, which is always worst of. It's not, oh, let's think about what happened in 2023. You're hearing about everything going on at this moment in the world, the nation, the region, and the city. Entertaining and informative. This is sit in friends in the morning 77 WABC Got back to the south here, Diego. Whipping Post, Allman Brothers. Okay, you're back to the south. Mississippi Queen, no. Leslie West, Felix Papayardi, parking lot, no. Good, good. All right, so we're back on track with Nikki Haley. She did the pirouette. She came back with a response on the slavery question. I didn't think it was much of a good response. But isn't it ironic that you can run a whole campaign on the issues, and there are so many issues. We got Israel, we got Hamas, we got Iran, we got Ukraine, Russia, we got the border, migrants. And it comes down to your answer on slavery, and now you're (laughs) bogged down. She's bogged down. Yeah. And this is what I think happened, Andrew. She's up there. She doesn't expect this question because she hasn't done this before. When she was running for governor of South Carolina, you know, slam dunk. You yeah, know. think about it. Sometimes the simplest questions can derail a presidential campaign, right? Ted Kennedy was, why do you want to be president? And sometimes you haven't really thought about a very clear answer on that. I mean, this is one, though, that's pretty simple. I mean, even if you haven't thought about it. We've all thought about it, whether it was in history class or whatever. But you know? she grew Come up on. with it. She made the decision to take down the Confederate flag over the state capital of South Carolina when she was governor. She had to deal with the Confederate memorials, Confederate monuments, all of that. I mean, this is not like she came from Laramie, Wyoming and mm-hmm. was suddenly thrust into this. So this is what I think happened. She knows she can't win Iowa. Right. She knows she can't win New Hampshire. She might do better than expected. She's been pushing in New Hampshire, though. She's trying to win New Hampshire actively, spending a lot of time there. Um, So I I think she's making a push in New Hampshire, but I understand what you're saying. She could do better than anticipated, and that's good because it shows momentum. But now she comes into her home state, Mm -hmm. South Carolina. It's Trump land. Lindsey Graham has already endorsed uh, Donald Trump. I think that uh, Scott... Uh, the U.S. Senator who bowed out of the race might well endorse uh, Donald Trump in advance Mm -hmm. of the South Carolina um, primary. And so her money people, of whom are an enormous number now, they've come on board. They're the country club Republicans. They're saying, forget DeSantis, you're our hope to stop Trump. But you got to you got to you got to win South Carolina. So when she's asked that question on slavery, Her answer is not an answer for the general population or for New Hampshire. No, no. She's talking to residents in South Carolina. 
some of them who uh, still believe that the South won the Civil War or thought it was the Northern War of Aggression. (laughs) So she's parsing her language instead of talking about slavery, which is a neat jerk. Anybody's going to mention slavery Mm -hmm. in their description of the Civil War. But then she jumps to all these other hoops afterwards, which is what a lot of people talk about when they want to say it really wasn't slavery. It was states' rights, individual rights. We didn't want to be ruled over by Abraham Lincoln, all that it's stuff. It's kind of deflecting of, away from slavery. Nobody right? cares. Nobody cares. And if you're appealing to that portion of the electorate in South Carolina, guess what? You ain't going to win South Carolina. And, and to me, that's not the that's not a portion of the electorate that she actually would potentially win anyway because it was under her watch – that the Confederate flag came down at the state house. That would be something that if I were her, I'd be pushing that hard in New Hampshire. I'd be pushing that hard in yeah. Iowa. I'd, I'd be pushing now, that. And, wh- and I think that's one of the reasons why some of the, you know, never Trump push. Why I think that's I think that's one of the reasons why she's gaining some of the momentum that she had gained up until this massive gas. This is this is a uh, political career threatening gas. Yeah, because now she's mired in this. So the yes. next question is: the courts ruled that yes, they have to take away the Confederate monument that was in Arlington National Cemetery. I went to Arlington one time. I had no idea there was a Confederate memorial there. I think mm-hmm. most people probably didn't. But the court has ruled it must be removed. Now, in some parts of South Carolina, they're going to say, what the hell are you removing that monument for? It's been there for years. You know, they were Americans who died in a civil war. Yeah. I, I and Sorry, go ahead, Curtis. Keep, yeah. going. Keep going. So now she's going to have to answer that question. Mm-hmm. And that's going to become an issue of the South Carolina primary, which if she's a survivor, which she will be a survivor up to then, or if DeSantis is still in, or somehow Chris Christie is hanging by his nails by then, then that become, these become the issues of the South Carolina primary. It's like, lady, you better deal with it once. You better clear the deck, because if you have any hope of winning in South Carolina, the two, issue, the two groups I think you have to appeal to are the women. Mm-hmm. You have a big advantage there. And to all the veterans. There are more veterans who live in South Carolina of all different types of service, peacetime, wartime, per capita than any other state in the nation. And we see that even Tunnel to Tower has devoted its entire year now, its entire year, 2024, to providing homes for veterans who are homeless. And by the way, a little update on that. I've heard over 4,000 veterans, homeless veterans, They've already housed at this point, so they're already well on their way to actually achieving this huge, miraculous huge problem it's everywhere amazing. in the country. Yeah. Huge problem. And naturally, if you're in a state which values its veterans like South Carolina, some states don't. South Carolina does when you're there. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do for the veterans? Yeah. What are you going to do? So if she can hit on that and she can hit on women's issues because obviously her opponents are all men, she got a shot. But now she's... She's in quicksand. Yes, she is. Because now she has to keep answering this question. Over, and what did that young child uh, say to oh, her? Oh, yeah, you had a, a, a fourth grader. So what, a nine or a ten-year-old that basically went up to her and said, you know, your stance on Trump where you you were against, supported, uh, against, supported, against, you are the new John Kerry, he, he said to her. By the way, he wasn't even born when John Kerry ran for president, but... Everybody so well remembers whether or not you're reading into the history books, sure. whether you were taught it, that John Kerry was the ultimate flip-flopper because he said, I was for it before I was against it, before I was for it, and all that stuff. 
Well, guess what? Nikki Haley is now being labeled the John Kerry now, of the Republican uh, primary. Is she blaming that on a Democratic operative? <laughs> she may be. Yeah, maybe the nine-year-old is a Democratic now, operative. Now this, Who knows? Again, according to Haley. I can't express it enough, having had a little bit of experience in Iowa mm-hmm. watching the caucuses when I was forming Guardian Angels in Davenport. Just a smidgen, but enough so. There's nothing like it here. Right. That we can relate to. The only thing here would be New Hampshire, which is the home of town hall meetings mm-hmm. where the candidates are exposed, warts and all, yeah. everything you got to lay out. Now that she's a player, she's up there. She's considered like the number two uh, for the Republican primary in terms of her ability to get votes in the primary. All the attention is going to be on her. Yeah. All the attention. So this particular setback for her, you either learn from it. Or you continue to just dig yourself deeper and deeper and deeper in because she's thinking, based on all this new money, she's flush with cash because all the country club Republicans have abandoned DeSantis and they're now Nikki Haley fans. You got to win South Carolina, Nikki, or the money is going to end. You, 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 you will not get money to get on TV and Super Tuesday and all those big primaries that follow if you don't take South Carolina. And, Curtis, this is why, and this is a little bit of a different topic, but I think the time is now. Maybe you can wait till after Iowa, but don't wait till after New Hampshire. If you're Ron DeSantis and you're thinking about your political career and your political future at this point, the writing has to be on the wall that you're not going to be the Republican nominee in 2024. It's as obvious anybody can see it, and if he can't see it, then he's got a real introspection problem. And his wife needs to see it and actually has a real serious sit-down thing for him. That's why Ron DeSantis right now needs to be considering dropping out and endorsing Donald Trump, because if he does that, then he will live to fight another day. I can tell you, knowing President Trump, I'm sure bygones will be bygones. They'll bury the hatchet and they'll go try to save the country together. But he's got to do it here in the coming month or so. Otherwise, that might be the end of Ron DeSantis as we know it. You keep thinking that, Butch, as oh, they said, let's, let's Butch and the Sundance Kid. You keep boy, thinking that, as we come if back. anything, DeSantis, I think, is just going to drill down even harder. We'll get to that so much more. It's Andrew Giuliani, live and local programming here, Curtis Sliwa for Sid. We're going right on up to the 12 o'clock hour. No best of, worst of, no, uh, oh, let's look back at 2023. That's the worst kind of radio and talk TV. And then I'm joined by Nancy who's like a new star here at WABC, joining me, Rip and Reed. Michael Carey, uh, son of former Governor Hugh Carey, yeah. said the nicest things about her radio style, which I'm made me... I'm a big me, Michael Carey fan, by Yeah, but made like me think, Michael like, Carey maybe you got to watch my back between Andrew here and Frank Morano and Anthony Weiner and Dominic Carter. We're coming after you. Nancy Sliwa. That's right. I'm considered an old-timer here at WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Go to my social networking, Andrew. I'm in the middle of 3rd Avenue after the steam pipe exploded. And behind me, there's nothing in the middle of the day. By the way, it's social media, I just want to say. I know you're almost 70 here, but you got to get the terms right on this stuff, Curtis. Social media. You got it. 
Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. <laughs> yeah, big on TikTok, 150,000 followers. I'm telling you, TikTok Please. has a lot of conservatives because so many of these other sites, maybe not X, the site formerly known as Twitter, but so many of them shadow ban any kind of conservative messaging. And so that's why TikTok has become a haven for conservatives. So there's a, there's a double-edged sword to potentially banning it. Trust me, as a father of a daughter, I understand the dangers of it. But I also look at a lot of my conservative friends, and they're able to get their message out on TikTok in a way that they're not on Instagram and Facebook. Well, check out all of my posts, and you'll see the one that is very apocalyptic. Yeah. And I predict at the rate we're going, if things don't turn around, this uh, the city will be emptier mm-hmm. than it is now. You see all these office buildings are only 50% occupied. More people have one foot out the door as they consider making the move to Florida or Georgia or North Carolina, South Carolina, Texas, Tennessee, some still the Virginia. But they're out of here. And uh, if they continue to see that things are not going to get better, many more are going to put their house up or condo for listing because mortgage rates are starting to go down, and they're out of here. They're going to say, why the hell do I want to stay here? I can go down to DeSantis land. Now, mm-hmm. even though DeSantis may not be the preferred choice of the Republican electorate, there's no doubt about that. He's not. People give him high props for Florida. They say, oh, we love Florida. You know, we just visited our relatives. Mm-hmm. And even though car insurance is skyrocketing, you can't get flood insurance, property insurance because of uh, hurricanes and such. It's a much more preferred place to be and not just to go to die. That's what it used to be, Andrew. When I was growing up, people would go to Florida basically to go to Wolfie's in um, in South Beach with a 99 cent. You got pancakes, you got eggs and a cup of coffee, and you prepared to die. You would go to the doctor's office the rest of the day. That would be your entire day going to the doctor's office. No more. Yeah. No more. No, and look, it's people that are my age, and I've said this time and time again, but, you know, my wife and I feel like it's a weekly conversation that we end up having because we're seeing the quality of life slip, slip away. And, Curtis, you and I were talking during the break specifically about what is the straw that breaks the camel's back for people. And I think when I look at people that are my age, in their 30s, maybe about to turn 40 or something like that, for younger parents, maybe it's them in their late 20s, when you start seeing how children are being educated in this city, and it's not just a matter of, only public schools now. I mean, you're talking about even some of the private schools on the Upper East Side, right? You're talking about even some of the Catholic schools where a lot of the woke, the DEI initiatives are actually really leading the way in all this. I don't want my daughter to get brainwashed. This is a thing that we talk about all the time. I want my daughter to learn how to critically think. And that means understanding all different sides of an argument and being able to come and critically think through that argument and say, okay, here are the benefits to this. Here are the benefits to a higher tax, larger government. Here are the benefits to a smaller government, more efficient. And really going through the process and learning how to critically think. I'm a big believer of if people learn how to critically think through an issue rather than actually just get propaganda inflicted upon them, if you will, then you're going to have a much more educated electorate. And that's true in my house as well. That's why I want my daughter to be able to really learn. And we're not learning a classical education anymore in New York. It's a massive problem. Over the years, uh, Democratic leaders, when he was governor, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, uh, got uh, in his bully pulpit and said, get out of here. 
if you don't share our values, our Democratic Party values, leave. Get yeah. the hell out. That was 2014. Kathy and they Hochul have. said it uh, right right at the end of the campaign here with, uh, with Zeldin. Right. And then uh, Eric Adams, two years before he announced for mayor, he said, you go back to Ohio. You go back to Iowa. You, you, you go there. You weren't here. You didn't build this. I'm like... You idiots. They're taking your advice, you dumb dummies. Right. And then they <laughs> want to tax them on the way out. Yeah. They want to say, whoa, hold on. We want to grab back. We need you. And then the idiots this past week from Kathy Hochul's office, from Eric Adams' office, were saying, well, uh, okay, they're gone. They're not coming back. But they're being replaced by 128,000 illegal aliens. I know what's going to keep more New Yorkers here and get them. Reparations. Why don't we give reparations? That's yeah, going to rep- actually uh, light the economic engine that is New York. 40 acres and a mule. And by the way, the African-American population is not increasing. They're leaving too down south. So it's all about quality of life, as you mentioned. But up next, we got to get into the nitty-gritty details of what's happening congressionally, locally out there in the 3rd Congressional District. Mati. Vacated by the Kukulamunga. George Santos. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. 